Please keep your arms and legs inside the ride at all times. Welcome to the Corey Connects Podcast. You are about to embark on a thrill ride of the ages. Corey Warfield went from living on the streets to hanging with the elites. This growth hacker, serial entrepreneur, mentor, and social media personality has taken connection to new heights. Hold on as we learn from globally recognized leaders who have used the power of connection in areas of innovation, upskilling, technology, leadership, and disruption. So hold on to your hats. It's about to get real. Welcome to the Corey Connects Podcast. This is Corey Warfield. Today I'm here with Rev Ciancio, and I'm really excited to have you, Rev, because you are one of the other people that I see. There's not a lot of us that are active on LinkedIn, actively trying to help people, but that aren't just amateur foodies, but we came from the industry. We, we, we speak restaurant, restaurant tour. We love to help restaurants maximize opportunities, stay compliant in my case, be more, more profitable in both of our cases. But so it's good to see a counterpart like yourself on LinkedIn. And I love what you're doing. You do things a lot differently than myself. So I guess just foremostly, welcome to the Corey Connect show. And I'd love for you to just say hi to the audience, to the listeners, and let them know a bit about who you are. Who is Rev? God bless, man. Thank you. That was the nicest intro ever. I'm going to pay you to write more intros for me. In fact, when I get invited on other podcasts, I'm like, well, I have a, an intro guy. So like you're getting invited. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who am I? I am I'm a failed radio DJ. Uh, I'm a failed restaurant operator. I'm a failed music artist manager. The thing is, I failed at a lot of things. But all those failures led to who I am today. So I'm grateful for all of them. But I am a hospitality marketing consultant most of the day. Parts of the day, I'm a food influencer. And the other parts of the day, I'm a dad and husband. So people ask me, what does that mean? I help restaurants and hospitality tech companies to raise awareness, acquire, retain guests. That's awesome. And do you have kind of a tagline as to how you do that? Or or can you articulate your secret sauce a little bit? Oh, man. What is my secret sauce? I don't even know if I know that answer. I, I guess if I had to boil it down to like, what is the secret sauce to all that is always be providing value. Like, what is it that you can give? There's a book called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Wiles that I literally have read almost every week for the last two years. And yes, I did say every week. Uh, and one of the principles in the books talks about how giving activates receiving Okay, and then if you want to quantum leap or you want to get forward in your life, you have to give twice as much as you were given first. Right. So if you get paid an hourly wage, you have to give back twice what your wage was. If you earn a contract, you have to give twice back what your contract was. So I apply that principle in everything that I do. If I write a blog post and you give me 10 minutes of time, I want you to achieve 20 minutes of time from reading it. Does that make sense? So, Absolutely. so the secret sauce is to give more than you receive, I guess is another way to say it. Absolutely. I, I have a quote that I love that, that kind of takes a, a, a quote in that vein to a next level for me. So I think a lot of people are familiar with the concept that, that you should give without expecting. But the other side of that that I love is to also receive without resisting. I, I find so many people are resistant to receive. And it's if you're not willing to receive, you know, freely without, you know, without any blockers per se, it's hard to expect people to receive from you as the giver. So that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I do have, have a couple of directions I want to take this, but I want to dig into what you said a little bit first. How do you 
aspire or how do you, you know, in practice deliver twice as much value as you're asking specifically for restaurant groups with what you do? I mean, it is hard. Just by saying that that's what you want to do does not mean you do it every time, right? And just by saying that that's what you want to do doesn't mean you achieve it every time, right? Sometimes you give back three times what you were given. Sometimes you give back one time. You got to hope that the average comes out to twice as much, right? But what I do is, is generally before I put something out there, a text, an email, a blog post, a, whatever that piece of content is, whether it's one-to-one or one-to-many, I try to pause before I hit go and ask myself, is this valuable? Is this helping the other person, right? Is there, are they receiving increase by me putting this out there? And just putting that little practice into before you speak, before you send, before you, you share, usually will at least increase the value somewhat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Now, do you ever find yourself asking yourself that question and the answer is no? Are you ever like, you know what, this isn't going to add value. I'm just going to scrap this and take the day off. Or, or do you typically either augment it or just find that everything will have some value? Um, I have delete, deleted things I've written. <laughs> I, I don't share just for the sake of sharing. You know, I get... How does that relate to a restaurant? I think that's where you're going. Like, how does a restaurant always give value? Well, you know, the restaurant, you know, regardless, I think of the size of the restaurant, you kind of have an interesting relationship. Like if your customer and your guest signs up for your email blast, right? Or they're on your text list or they follow you on social media, like they've signed a social contract with you that you can sell to them, right? They give you permission to market. And so I think where... The giving then comes back from that. Like, let's take Instagram as an example. If you're boring, right? If you're a hamburger joint and all your posts are burger, 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 and all you do is ask, 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 well, you're not really giving, are you? You're just asking, right? So you, your side of the social responsibility part of that contract is that, yes, you have permission to market to them, but you also have to bring value, right? Value could be entertainment. Being funny is valuable, right? A discount is valuable. Giving, inviting somebody to an event they might be interested is value, right? Value comes in different ways from a restaurant to a consumer. You know what I mean? You just have to think about what help, what is the person on the other side of this? How are they going to see this? Absolutely. And I think that's something that I talk a lot about as well on social media and with clients that, that I work with is concept of reaching your audience where they're at. Why are they signing up for your email? Why are they on Instagram? No one ever wants to hear about your new menu item for the sake of hearing about the new menu item. There are people that actually get offended at being offered 10% off. A lot of us feel like we can afford full price and we want to tip. You said something recently about tipping that really resonated with me, but for me, I want to give that 25, 30% tip. So, so it's almost 10, 10% to me. I'll throw it on the, on the gratuity line, but that's not value to me. And, and I guess nothing or virtually nothing is valuable to everyone. But on the other side of that, making people laugh, making people think, making people feel good in whatever that, that capacity that manifests is value. And so I think to your point, when you can offer something that can make someone smile, make someone feel good about themselves, give someone the, the, the facility to be heard, that's always going to be valuable. And I do think that that is where a lot of brands get it wrong. And frankly, a lot of restaurants, uh, I do have a question for you. 
Are you familiar? It's more food than it is restaurants, but are you familiar with Steakum's Twitter feed? I mean, I haven't looked at it recently. Do you know what they do? Fill me in. So Steakum has has a, a Twitter presence that is unlike any other. They get, I mean, they have hundreds of thousands of followers. They'll get tens of thousands of likes and retweets on their stuff, but they're never talking about Steakum's. They are just, they have someone that has to be a stand-up comedian that is just writing some of the most off-the-wall, fun, funny, respectable, respectful, original tweets. And they all just go viral. And so it's now become, you know, kind of a almost like a, a, a meme stock thing where people, Stakeums is getting, you know, exponentially more sales and revenue and visibility just because they decided to make people laugh and lean into their community a little bit more. And I, I feel like that is what I see you do with brands that you work with as well. Thank you. I also tell a lot of brands I work with to turn off their Twitter. <laughs> because let's talk about that. that. Like, so this is the, like, you know, how many times have you looked at the, the Twitter for a restaurant and they haven't updated it in six months or all they're doing is pushing from Instagram. And I, I do that. I'm guilty. But like, <laughs> If you're not going to take the time to use Twitter in the way that it should be used, then don't bother to use it at all, right? I tell my clients all the time, if you're not using it, just go put a pinned tweet that says, we don't answer this channel, click here to order live and then pin it. <laughs> like, Love that. <laughs> Absolutely. So one, one of the things, this being the Corey Connects podcast, I always do like to talk about connection and what connection means. So I, I do want to go down that road in just a minute. Before that, do you have a couple kind of bullet points and you know, as, as blanket statements of things that you see restaurants doing wrong, especially right now, a year into this pandemic, things that you think generally could be implemented by, by national or local restaurant groups that could make them more efficient, uh, more profitable, busier right now? Sure. I'll give you a couple off the top of my head. So number one, stop offering discounts as the first move right? Typically, if somebody has eaten at your restaurant and they followed you on social media or they've signed up for your email blast or made that social contract, right? You don't need to send them $5 off. You just need to remind them of you, right? Like if I get, I, no joke, and I'll this is a real story. Two days ago, I got an email from McDonald's that said, spicy nuggets are back. And I was like, you know what? I want those. You're like, that's all I needed. I just needed to be told spicy nuggets are back. You know what I mean? And so... I would tell restaurants is number one, stop going defaulting to discounts. Save the discounts for a guest that's lapsed 65, 75, 90 days. It's number one. Second bullet point, stop promoting third party. When I see on an Instagram account, whether it's a national chain or a mom and pop shop, and they literally say in the post available on Grubhub, Uber Eats and DoorDash, I'm like, why would you do that? Do you think that Grubhub or DoorDash or Uber Eats would willingly share about your restaurant for free? They would not. Do not do them the favor. And I think a lot of restaurants think, oh, well, I want to make a seamless, frictionless journey for the customer. And if they like using Uber Eats, then I should tell them to do that. And there's logical sense to that statement. However, if they already follow you and they've already had a brand experience, then they should also be willing to order directly. So there's no need for you to push the third party. Just let the third party bring you the guest and then you figure out how to convert them to first party. How's that for two things? Do you need more? No, I absolutely love both of those. You got one? I do. 
for me, it's really simple. And I've got a couple as well. But the one that I think is low hanging fruit, since most restaurants are having to, to do most of their orders to go and have seen more of a to go and delivery presence, stop putting stuff in the bag that isn't ordered. People don't need a bunch of ketchups or, or both types of salsas. People don't need plastic cutlery to eat in their own home or they have silverware. Let them ask for it because most people are throwing that away. It's going in the landfills. Most people are throwing one, if not both of the salsas away. Most people have ketchup in their fridge and those things really do add up. You know, if you've got 10 locations in, in a metropolis, it's one thing. If you've got 10,000 locations across multiple countries, that can literally be a five figure a day cost saver. And it makes your, your customers happier as well. So that's, you know, I, I, I scream that from the rooftops. I have been for, for many years, but especially right now during COVID um, and the, these unprecedented times, it's like, stop throwing something in a bag I didn't order. I don't want it. It's annoying and it costs you money. And you know, what's funny is like, we'll order from somewhere and they'll send, you know, three or four barbecues in there, a couple of ranch sauces. And then I feel bad because I know that costs money. So I'll stick them in my fridge and be like, oh, well, we'll use them when we don't get one next time or we cook at home. And then you know what happens? We order from somewhere else. And so now I have like a, a drawer full of sauces and like, and you know what I do? I throw them away. I just throw them away much later. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's an annoyance. And it's one of those things. People wouldn't feel good in, in, in the moment if they didn't show up, but they, they wouldn't miss them. But at some point, they you know, you will appreciate the fact that you're not given effectively crap that you don't want. that's going to take up fridge space or drawer space or anything. And at the end of the day, it's net positive. It's a win-win because it costs the, the restaurants uh, less money as well. So those were great. I, I love yours. I mean, I, I hear mine off and every time I say it, it still resonates. But I mean, at, at this point, if restaurants don't get it, they don't get it. Um, yours, I think, were really actionable and, and, and profound as well. But with that said, a very general question that I ask all of my guests, and, and there's no right or wrong answer and take it any direction you want to, but what does connection mean to you? Oh, man, that is a good question. What is connection? Making somebody else feel like whatever you are saying or sharing was intended for them. I like that a lot. I, I've had a lot of great answers on here. That was up there with the best of them. You know, inclusion, right? And, and I do think that the way you articulated that is great. Fantastic. So usually I don't get such, a, such a, a, an immediate and, and, and rapid response. So let's do a follow-up to that. What what is an what is an example or a time when connection has has gone over the top for you? What's a connection that you've either made in a restaurant, on the road, after a webinar, um, something like that that's memorable? I'm going to back into that answer. Okay, so I'm a sales guy at heart, wrapped in a marketer's uh, Hawaiian shirt. For those that I guess can see this visually, the, the idea is like when I write an email and I know it's an email blast and it's going to ten thousand people, or I'm writing a blog post or I'm writing a tweet or whatever it happens to be, I know I'm writing to however thousands, tens of thousands, high 500 people, but I think that I'm writing to Corey. Okay. And when I write it, I write it as though I'm writing something to share with a friend or a colleague. And so when you keep in mind that everything is digested one-to-one, -one, right? And when you have a call with somebody, it's one-to-one. -one, and even if you have a one-to-many phone call, right? Or there's a bunch of people listening to this podcast. I'm talking to you, the podcast listener, and I'm thinking about you. I'm not thinking about me or I'm not thinking about a lot of you. So that, that's how I do that. But what was a connection that made a difference to me? Where did I experience something like that? I'll give you a really simple example, like simple example that everybody who will understand. 
When the server comes over to me at the end of the meal and says, thank you, Rev, and writes, thank you, Rev, on the on the um, the receipt, like it's so simple, but like it means that like she paid or he, he paid attention to my name. Like that's a simple, simple little thing that somebody can do to establish a connection. That's amazing. Or again, here, I, these are simple ones, but like I'm walking out the door and somebody in the restaurant says goodbye. Like that's a connection. Like, oh, thank you. You cared about me enough to say that goodbye. Thank you. I'll tell you a great story. This is a great story. It was in the middle of Ohio and I do not remember this, the name of the town. I was literally driving across the middle of nowhere. I'm hungry. I see a sign for Raising Cane's. I was like, I could totally go for some chicken fingers and biscuits, right? Or whatever. There's this toast. And I pull over and I go inside and I place my order and they don't, they don't just whip them out. They cook them. So I grab my phone and I go outside to like go live on Instagram and talk about providing personalized experiences like we're talking about. And no joke, and you can see it, it's in my IGTV, but I'm talking about how it's important to value each customer face-to-face. And as I'm live, I'm literally live in my stories, recording for IGTV, the door to opens from the restaurant and the, the young lady from behind the counter comes out, she goes, are you Rev? And I was like, yeah, she goes, oh, your, your, your lunch is ready and I didn't. I wanted you to be able to eat it hot. And so I stepped out from behind the counter to make sure, like, couldn't have planned it. Couldn't have planned it, I was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like it couldn't happen that way. But the fact that like she took the time to take two seconds out of her day to complete my my journey, I was like, this is awesome. Like I'll never, ever, ever forget that this happened. I love that. And shout, shout out to Raising Canes. That is, that's <laughs> the way every, every concept should be training their staff and hospitality and, you know, hot food, hot, cold food, cold. I love that. So Rev, it's been awesome chatting with you. Uh, can you give our audience a couple ways to get in touch with you and ways that they can work with you uh, before before we uh, get on to other connections of our day? <laughs> sure. Thank you. I am uh, the same screen name on every single social media platform, which is Rev Ciancio. That's R-E-V-C-I-A-N-C-I-O. And I say that fast because you're not going to remember it or know how to spell it. So the easiest way to find me, if you can't already figure that out, is I run the world's largest French fry themed Instagram account. It's called Fun With Fries. If you get to fun with fries in the bio, you can tap at Rev C. Hintzio and get me on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way is just Google my name or go to fun with fries. I love it. How did you come up with the concept for fun with fries? This is a funny story. So I used to have a podcast called Like, Bite, and Share, where we would interview different, what we consider thought leaders around the, the restaurant industry about how they do something. And we spoke to Ryan Hinkson, who's the founder of Eat Famous, which is a huge Instagram account based in Toronto. And at the time, he had like 150,000 followers or something. And I think I had like 13,000. And he gave this like complete masterclass on how to grow from an engagement perspective. It was like one of the best conversations ever. And I said, Ryan, I'll bet I could take everything you've taught us today on the show. And I bet I could get a post that performs better than you can. And I challenged him and he's like, done. I was like, cool. We'll both share pictures of fries and whoever gets more engagement wins. And he goes, best two out of three, done. So we did it and I beat him both. I beat him two out of three times. My French fry photos get better engagement than his. And then I was like, oh, I guess people like French fries. Maybe I should start an all French fry account. And that was it. Like I did it. And I saw it as a way of like another way to help restaurants that if I can share, if I can get audience of people who like fries and I can share pictures of restaurants, French fries, I can help those restaurants. So I absolutely love that. What's the most viral <laughs> post you've ever got on that channel? 
I'd have to go look, but there's been posts that have gotten 35, 40,000 links. You know what I mean? Or sorry, likes. That's amazing. That's a lot of likes for a fry. Fantastic. You know well, what? Rev- People like fries. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Huh? <laughs> That's amazing. Hopefully everyone that was listening to today's Corey Connects with you had as good of a time as I did. Do you have any Jerry Springer style final thoughts for my listeners? Well, my favorite thing that ever happened on Jerry Springer show was watching Guar on Jerry Springer. And I will tell you that I once, I'm, Rev is short for reverend, I'm ordained. And I once married a couple on stage at a Guar concert. And I, the way we ended was I pronounced them scum and maggot. And they fed me and the bride and groom to the meat grinder. And if you're listening to this and you have no idea what I just said, go Google search G-W-A-R and you will have no more questions. <laughs> and you can go to my uh, Instagram page, which is probably Corey Connects, because everything I do is Corey Connects now. So if you're listening to this podcast, that name on Instagram, and you'll see a picture of me with a couple of the guys from Guar. I've spent some time with Guar. They used to come every year to Chicago to uh, Riot Fest. And I went back in the 90s when I was in high school. You know, they used to come and some of the bands that I was involved with would open up for them and stuff. So I've got a long history with Guar as well, but never married anyone on stage with them and have never been through the meat grinder. So that is fantastic. (laughs) Thanks so much for hanging out with me today from one tech tech and restaurant guy to another and and from from one one person that loves to just help restaurants, help people and, and, and put that law of reciprocity out there to another. Thank you so much for being on today and thanks for all you do. Thanks for everyone for tuning in today. I'll catch you next time.